1988. Stephen Hawking is publishing A Brief History of Time. The first Walmart Supercenter is opening in Washington, Missouri. Archaeologists are uncovering the Globe Theater in London. And a gallon of gas costs about 91 cents. Rihanna, Adele, and Rupert Grint were coming into the world. And a family has been reunited on the beach in Santa Monica. This is the La Brea Purvea, and I am your host, Pete Phillips. This week, we're exploring the mid-season finale, 1988. Let's do this. Episode Recap We start this episode with Gavin and Eve reminiscing about their time in Santa Monica together. First dates and old memories. They're all cute and sappy, but then Levi busts in between them like the Kool-Aid man. Oh yeah! And he says, look, this is a receiver. I bet Caroline has the transmitter. Let's go find her. Presumably this is done by them driving around and waiting for the beeping to get louder or faster. And they do find her signal in a warehouse-looking place. Oh, and how did they drive around? Well, it seems that Sam's dad goes on fishing trips this time of year, and so they take his van that he probably left at the house or something. I I got a little confused there. They also use his camping spot as a home base, so it was unclear to me if they were taking stuff from the active fishing trip or if the man just left stuff here when he wasn't fishing. I don't know. But what I do know is that they find Caroline in a building. Levi hatches a plan, and his plan is to meticulously eliminate threats one by one. But Gavin doesn't want to. He wants to smash and grab. Sam sides with Gavin, and so they proceed ahead with that plan. They end up knocking out a few people by way of sneak attack, and after they get Caroline free, Levi insists on sweeping the building alone, and he gets himself shot. I don't like getting shot! (laughs) Now they have a liability to hold them back. Thanks a lot, Levi. So, with Levi shot and the rest of the Harrises going to Caroline's to help her work out the computer virus that will take down portal technology in 10,000 BC, Eve decides to go with her family. But she does hold Levi's hand to console him after he was shot. Izzy sees this, and she gets angry. But she's teenage angry, so she won't say anything about it until a very inopportune time. Now, in 10,000 BC, Tamit is grilling some hot dogs with his buddies at a fire and they become surrounded by Para's fort folks, of which Ty is now a part. But he's dressing in about ten layers of clothing. So the fort folks essentially arrest Tamit for his crimes against their community and against other people in general. They take him back to the fort, and just as they are kind of jailing Tamit, Scott and Veronica show up with Lucas held between them. Tamit says that he recognizes the illness that Lucas has and knows a cure, but he won't give it to them unless he is freed or he fights Ty for his freedom. Ty is at first reluctant, but very willing. Para, however, is not so willing to allow this fight to happen. So so it's like Lucas is expendable so that Ty can be protected? Come on, Para. I think you can do better than that. At Caroline's, Josh and Izzy chill out, watching the front of the house for threats. Gavin goes and hangs out with his mom in the basement, and Eve goes to watch the back of the house all alone. This strikes me as odd because Eve is almost never alone. She's always hovering over one of her children or clinging to one of her men, but now she finally has a moment alone. Don't worry, nothing happens to her. The real action is in the basement. And elsewhere, Sam is counseling Levi about the recklessness of his Eve situation. 
Let's add relationship counselor to Dr. Velez's resume. You're supposed to be some kind of expert, is that correct? While Caroline clatters away at the keys trying to finish her virus, Gavin gets the perfect opportunity to distract her by asking the insanely loaded question, why did you leave me behind? She explains that James was bad and that she wanted to get him somewhere better, but ultimately she also admits some bad news. So what's the plan? You go back to 10,000 BC through the Hollywood sinkhole and upload the virus? And stop the sinkholes and destroy the portal for good. Destroy the portal? Yes. As long as it's operational, the sinkholes will keep opening. No, no, but you can still send us back home first, right? Back to our time? Every time that portal's bent to a new time, it creates a new sinkhole. Potentially even more catastrophic than the ones we've already seen. Your family can't go home. So the initial plan was go back to 10,000 BC, send the Harrises back to 2021 or 2022, and then break the portal technology. Except they can't do that. Each time a portal opens, a sinkhole also opens and potentially kills lots of people. And while this is all happening, Josh is gushing guilt to his sister uh, about how he was such a tool to his dad. This isn't about you. During a commercial break, Gavin tells his family that they either stay in 1988, which is not an option for him, or they go back to 10,000 BC. Later, we'll find out that he has to go back because there's some genetic biometric lock on the portal room that only James and Gavin could open. Since Gavin is his son, the DNA is probably close enough to James so that he could get in there too. Veronica is comforting Lucas, who is starting to slip into hopelessness. Then Scott slips out and leaves them alone. Lucas laments that he deserves a painful death for being a heroin dealer. Veronica also feels like she's a terrible person. They keep bonding over trauma, and even if they were both terrible people, I like them more than the Eve-Gavin-Levi triangle. Ty tries to talk Para into letting him fight Tammet, but she doesn't want to see her new love get killed, especially by her old love. She implies that Tammet is a relentless monster, and she speculates that he's still in love with her. Ty wants to fight and help Lucas, even though everyone who knows Ty thinks that he'll just fall over and die almost immediately once Tammet growls or something. So, what about Sam and Riley? Well, Sam wants to go back to 10,000 BC with the Harrises so that he can get back to his wife and son. What, you want to go back and get eaten by a woolly mammoth? Dad, we can stay in 1988. At least here we have lights, plumbing, medical school. We're going back. And we're going to find a way home. How? The world's top expert in this just said that the portal needs to be destroyed. Then we'll find an aurora. The auroras are going to be gone, too. Caroline's virus stops everything. She's not the only scientist that knows about this stuff. We'll find someone else. Sam doesn't have an answer for how they would get back to 2021. But he also doesn't really seem to care. So Riley will probably go with her dad, even though she doesn't really understand how there's a happy ending to their story. When they're finally together, Levi tells Eve that he was shot because he was distracted by their situation. Like this woman needs an excuse to feel more guilt about every single thing on the planet. So Levi lays it all out there. It's now or never, Eve. Levi wants to start a family with you in 1988. Do you accept? Okay, moment of truth. Oh wait, here's Gavin and some bad guys to break up this climactic moment. As Lazarus agents descend upon the house, Gavin goes to make sure that Caroline stays safe and gets out of the house in one piece. 
She says that she's just about done the virus, so it should work just fine when they get to 10,000 BC. Veronica admits to Lucas that her mom was an addict, but she fought to get clean. Every time she would quit, she would write down her regrets on a piece of paper and burn it, ceremonially, starting over. She says that Lucas needs to fight like her mom did. He has the gall to ask, what am I fighting for? And Veronica says, me, baby, me, while we all yell the same thing at the TV. Veronica kisses Lucas, and evidently the numbing affliction has not hit his lips, huh? Dammit and Ty face off. Oh boy, I am not a fight announcer, but Ty hangs in there for quite a bit. The other part is that he keeps taking off each layer of clothing, and it's kind of funny to watch. Ultimately, Tamit gets the upper hand, and Ty just taunts the crap out of him the whole time. He's like, Tamit, in a moment of pride, is distracted, and Ty sweeps his feet, knocking him to the ground, and he wins by submission. The sinkhole squad heads to the Hollywood sign to jump in, but Lazarus agents are there with guns. So how will they get around them? Oh, maybe those ATVs in the background will help. Are you guys for real right now? So they have a very silly sneak attack and back the Lazarus agents into the hole. And they're expecting to go into the hole too, so I think they just delayed these people coming at them by pushing them in the hole first. But guess what? Lucas is healed! It worked! And Scott steps away for a bit, which is suspicious. He ends up in the hut with Tamit, where he's being held prisoner. It seems that Scott made a deal with Tamit, that he would throw the fight, give them the cure, and then Scott would release him later. Except Scott believes that Ty won on his own, so he hesitates when it comes to freeing Tamit. Ever sinister, Tamit says he forgot an ingredient in the cure, and he won't say what it was unless Scott lets him go. They play mind games over it for a bit, but Scott eventually lets him go, and Tamit runs off. There's no mention of a secret ingredient, only threats against the Fort folks, the Clearing Clan, and just about everybody else in 10,000 BC. With a little bit of distracting green screen going on, Levi decides to stay in 1988, and the Harrises go back as a family. Is this love triangle finally over? Judging by them using a U2 song, this is clearly a very important moment. It continues as Ty and Para make out with clothes on, Scott sits alone, and Lucas throws his regrets into a fire. Just before the sinkhole squad jumps in, Caroline goes first and then the Velezes, and then just before the Harrises go, Gavin has a vision. Explain to me why Gavin is having visions. Anybody? The vision is of Eve seemingly unresponsive and a bunch of red leaves or flower petals falling on her. Eve recognizes the look on Gavin's face as one that he would get when he had visions. Gavin?
but he lies to her, and they all jump down the hole. And that's the end of the episode. What just happened? Look, I said it 10 seconds ago. Why the hell is Gavin having visions? I don't understand. Before they were memories of his past, and now what, he's seeing into the future? But then again, if time is a circle, then I guess the past is the same as the future, so it doesn't matter. But seriously, can we get a level of consistency with the visions, please? That's a very good question. Also, in the vision, is Eve dead, or is she just unconscious? It remains unclear to me, but we'll find out a little bit later what the creator of the show thinks. That's a very good question. The secret ingredient that Tamit left out of Lucas's cure? Do you think there is one? Do you think it was just a mind game? Is Lucas safe? I want Lucas to be safe. I fully accept that making a deal with Tamit is going to come back and bite Scott in the ass, but will it result in Lucas relapsing? I sure hope not. That's a very good question. My next question is, is Levi an evil man? Now that he is in 1988, what can he do in the past to get Eve? In fact, can he do anything in 1988? He's got no ID, no social security number, no birth certificate, no residence. Maybe he could just be a Santa Monica gigolo and bang away his feelings for Eve. When the end comes, I know it was just a gigolo. Life goes on without me, cause That's a very good question. In the preview for the two-hour premiere in January, they land in 10,000 BC and they can't find Josh. So my question is, will my dreams come true? That's a very good question. Digging deeper. This week, we're going to dig deeper on Levi. I don't think that we can count him out just yet. He's been an odd man out the whole time and I would be surprised if anyone felt really connected to his character while watching the show. He came on the scene as a former colleague and friend of Gavin's. Then he was Eve's former lover as well. It felt like that they were all worried about how the relationship would work out, but they knew that there was a larger concern the whole time too. So we find Levi being caring and brave, he's functional and methodical, and he seems like a generally okay dude except he was boning his friend's wife. People on La Brea Forum seem to blame E for the infidelity and not Levi, but both were complicit. Levi was attracted to Eve, and it happened. Some might say that it was up to Eve, as the attached one, to stop things, but Levi could have too. Regardless, they got together, and when it became clear that Levi wasn't going to get a commitment, he did stop things by flying to Germany, where Eve apparently met him a couple of times too if I remember right, from season one. But in the end, Levi kind of shriveled up. He wasn't as badass with the exiles as Gavin was. He was pretty reckless in the Caroline rescue. He wavered a bit when Gavin never lost confidence that he would get Eve back. And just like flying to Germany, he stayed behind in 1988. I wish the best for him, even though I suspect that he'll be back in the picture in some way. But I'm hoping it's with a character shift. I really want Levi to be a bad guy. Throughout the series, he's been kind of passive with his relationship with Eve. Even in the course of this love triangle he's in, he's kind of like, hey, whatever she wants is fine by me. I want him to come back with an edge, like 
either obsessed with the Harrises or feeling vengeful or something like that. Or have him come back with a new lover and a great new family. He needs to either be dangerously obsessed with Eve or completely over her. I don't think any viewer wants an in-between. Levi is portrayed by Nicholas Gonzalez, who has had an extended run in ABC's The Good Doctor, among other credits. He studied at Oxford University and Stanford University in his youth, and that is where he caught the acting bug after taking an elective theater course. God bless arts electives, people. I would definitely watch Gonzalez in other roles he seems capable on screen, despite being stuck in one of the most annoying love triangles that has spanned centuries. In the media reviews. This week we're headed to TVLine.com, where Matt Webb Matovich got to talk with the series creator, David Applebaum. Here are some things that he had to say about what's to come in the second half of season two. The back half of the season is going to take place in 10,000 BC, where being a family isn't such an easy thing. We're going to be complicating Eve and Gavin's relationship and their relationship with their kids. But what will continue to be at the heart of the show is the quest to get back home, to get back to their own time. There will be a number of things going on. Gavin's relationship with his father, James, dealing with the problems the Lazarus Building presents. This vision that Gavin had at the end of Episode 7. That vision of Eve's death is really going to drive a lot of conflict on the back half of the season, because it might be right around the corner. It's going to complicate all relationships, knowing that this is a thing that could happen. And about our characters getting back to their own time? So that's a moral dilemma our characters will have to face. Is us going home worth potentially creating a new sinkhole and causing more death and destruction? He also adds, we're not done with Tamit yet. He's going to be a dangerous force we have to reckon with. Scott, in particular, will have to deal with the fallout of what he's done. He made a deal with the devil and let Tamit go. And that's going to come back and haunt him in multiple ways. We will meet new characters in the later episodes. We are going to meet characters that will expand the mythology and the secrets of this world. In episodes 13 and 14, as we get later into the season, we'll meet even more characters that start to unpeel deeper layers of the history of this place. I have to admit, when he talks about the world, place, mythology, I don't know if he's talking about the touchstones in time, like 2021, 1988, 10,000 BC, or if he's talking about the universe that the show takes place in. But there's a part of me that worries that the mythology might get in the way of advancing some of the more personal plots that viewers have come to care about. But I am a guy doing a fan podcast, and I trust that the La Brea writing team know what they're doing. And in this interview, they even answered one of my lingering questions. How did the Lazarus Tower get to 10,000 BC? Did it come over intact, or did they portal over the supplies and a bunch of Teamsters from 2076? Applebaum says, I think it was more the latter. We actually had shot a flashback scene at one point that didn't make it into the episode for various reasons, where we saw the tower during construction. But yeah, the idea is that they transported physical materials and construction equipment, and it was built over a period of time. So, that is it for Season 2, Part 1. La Brea returns for a two-hour premiere on January 31st, 2023. Which is going to be a lot. That's going to be a lot of things that happen, and it's going to be a lot of time to watch La Brea. It is my hope during that break that I can bring you some fun things via the podcast here so that you can keep La Brea in your heart and mind, even if it is not in your eyeballs. 
If you have any ideas for how I can do that, please let me know at shout at yallheard.me. That's the email for the parent podcast of this show, which is Y'all Heard. But if your message is about La Brea, I will know that it is for me. For now, as the holidays come upon us, enjoy yourself. And while you're sitting around the table with friends and family, think about what it might be like if you all fell into a hole into 10,000 BC. And then, perhaps, be grateful that you haven't.